0: And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premiere podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. We're back recording an episode of this show. If you'll excuse me, I am uh, trying to get everything set up the way I need it to be set up. Okay. We're back. Episode 206. Let's we'll see. Yeah. Uh, a <laughs> little thing. little thing up top. Uh, the, the start of the show is doing. A show is, oh, you might have just heard the ice maker behind me go. Um, I interviewed Flula, Flula Borg. I believe I mentioned that uh, last week in last week's episode. And uh, I, I typically I do the interviews and I, I put them out uh, via if they're if I recorded them, I do them on the podcast in their own separate little thing. Uh, and then if not, uh, oh, and then also now in lieu of, uh, the podcast or alongside the podcast, really, I also put out a video under the interviews on youtube.com slash plus comedy. Here's the thing. If my, if I did this the way I, it should be done. You just heard me talk to Flula at the top of this podcast because quite frankly not a lot of topics to talk about in uh, in, the, in a regular main feed episode and then you heard the theme song and then you heard <laughs> and then you heard uh, this whatever this is uh, maybe I should just record a separate intro for that I'll do that right now <laughs> okay Chad please edit from this point on Oh boy! wasn't that great if I edited correctly you didn't you didn't even notice in a video version of the show i should I should just leave it in It'd be funny so much editing to do uh truly and i had I had a whole week to do this, and I just didn't but the thing is the problem is uh with the, i enjoyed the interview I forgot to press record on zoom <laughs> so <laughs> that's the big issue. So if you watch the video, you're not going to see a lot of me. It's going to be, and, and it, what sucks is I did a really funny bit that he enjoyed and went along with. I don't know if he enjoyed it. He went along with it. And uh, I, w- I had a fanny pack. Oh my God, my fridge is so loud. I had a fanny pack and I, I was pulling out, I already owned a fanny pack, so it was, it was great. I j- actually, I had just bought it uh, for running, but Bought this fanny pack, and I started pulling just random stuff out of it, like a candy bar, and then, you know, like a golf. And it all ended in, like, a golf club. And I thought it was so – I thought it was such a good idea, and I did it, and I noticed I wasn't recording. So, yeah. So then at one point, I think halfway through the interview, I pulled out my phone, and I just started recording on that because – recording myself on that. Uh, I have him. I I recorded a video. I did a screen capture. That's my backup. That was – that's technically the backup. So what usually I do is uh, I do the regular, rec- the Zoom recording is the main one. The backup is the uh, uh, is recorded via OBS, which if you want to slow down of an old laptop, run OBS <laughs> and then run something else. You'll notice last week when I tried to play uh, uh, YouTube videos alongside uh, recording this. So, yeah. And I, the, the thing I was worried about that entire time was, is, my, is the digital camera I'm using, or the, excuse me, DSLR I'm using as my webcam going to, is it okay? <laughs> I think that was the same day I figured out how to use the, the, the DSLR. So here we are, recording a podcast, uh, jobless, single. <laughs> I got nothing to do. The weekend is the I, I've, been, I've been harping on this all, all day. Memorial Day weekend is coming. It's is, is right here. And, uh, I got nothing to do. (laughs) Isn't that horrible? Got nothing to do, nowhere to go. Maybe I'll go to a pool. Who knows? All right, well, you just spent 15 minutes listening to, uh, me talk to Flula. You want to spend another 015 listening to me talk about Amazon buying MGM? Yes, that's right. Amazon bought Merwin Gold, Metro Goldwyn Buyer. (laughs) This comes, Google just activated somewhere. This comes from, uh... New York Times. I like to have one ear within a headphone. If you're watching the video, you just saw me swipe back in my right ear and pull off the cup of uh, the, the, these bone these bone headphones, these Bose headphones. And uh, I, I like to have one ear free. So I know how loud I'm talking. Because <laughs> when you have the when you have headphones on and you're talking to a microphone, you just you think you're talking at a regular volume, but you're not. I also just turned myself up. This comes from New York Times, written by Brooks Barnes, Nicole Spurling, and Karen Weiss. Weiss Weiss. James Bond meet Jeff Bezos. Amazon makes 8.45 billion dollar deal for MGM. Now, if you've been following this uh, since last, uh, oh Jesus, it's not moving. Uh, if you've been following this, <laughs> this happened last weekend. Much like the Viacom, excuse me, the the Discovery. And uh, Warner Media thing, this was kind of brought out of nowhere. Amazon had already been looking to to buy, you know, more studios and stuff, but uh, this one kind of just popped out of uh, nowhere. Uh, MGM was looking to be acquired a long, for about a year or so, something like that. I don't know. We'll find out. And uh, and you know, MGM has 007, James Bond, the Rocky franchise. Let's see what else. What else does it have? Uh, Thelma and Louise, a bunch of great movies. It just uh, it just doesn't compete with what you know. Warner Brothers or uh, Sony has. Amazon will own fifty percent of James Bond. The balance is held by Barbara Broccoli and her brother Michael G. Wilson who are the owners of the Bond estate now, I believe. Uh, yes, that is true. Ever since their father, Albert R. Broccoli, handed over the keys to the series. Man, they must be rich. The company had, Amazon, had about $71 billion in cash and a market capitalization of $1.64 trillion. So this was... Truly, a move that they didn't need. This is the biggest acquisition of theirs since they bought Whole Foods in twenty seventeen, which was thirteen point four billion. And I and I think analysts uh, have been saying all week that this is they they overpaid. Same thing for Discovery uh, and Warner Media. Um, oh, excuse me. Same thing for AT and T and Warner Media. They overpaid. Oh, let's see. Okay, they're talking about... Okay. In buying MGM, Amazon is bolstering Prime Video at a time when the biggest old line studios are becoming less willing to license their libraries outside of streaming services. Warner Brothers, Walt Disney Studios, and Paramount Pictures must now supply corporate siblings like HBO Max, Disney Plus, and Paramount Plus. Yes. This is a similar... You know, similar things happen with uh, Sony licensing its its old stuff and new stuff, its future new stuff to uh, Disney and Netflix. The Amazon deal could emerge as a pivotal moment in the uh, convergence of big tech and the entertainment industry. Instead of acquiring old line studios, internet companies have grown under their own steam in Hollywood. I guess until now. Apple has flirted with purchases, such purchases in the past. I read something that said uh, Apple and Time Warner, Apple nearly acquired Time Warner uh, before AT&T did, uh, and they had the money to do it, and that would have been an interesting purchase on their part. I don't think, but I, I think at this point, Apple wants to own what they do similar to what Fox Broadcasting does and similar to what CBS does they want to own the shows so that they can be the ones to make the money off of the streaming dollars if that show becomes a hit via streaming or you know syndication all that other stuff also Jeff Bezos stepped down from, uh, is going to step down from Amazon CEO to probably build his death ray he's evil Although its library is diminished, MGM still owns 4,000 older movies, including pre-1986 films that come from two MGM divisions, United Artists and Orion, both of which uh, died uh, pretty recently. At least UA did. Yeah. Oh, I just clicked on this link that uh, Orion was highlighted as, and it goes to another New York Times article written last year and updated uh, May 18th. Pledging to tell more stories, MGM remakes Orion Pictures. Whoa, good for them! Interesting. I did not know about that. I did not know about that. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so what they own is they own MGM owns Rocky, Robocop, Pink Panther, Silence of the Lambs, which is the Clary shows based on uh, the sequel to. James Bond, Legally Blonde, Moonstruck, Basic in Basic Instinct, The Thomas Crown Affair, and Tomb Raider. Whoa, that's amazing! Oh, their newest movie. They have a bunch of movies that could coming out that could be that could be Oscar contenders, such as the uh, Aretha Franklin biopic starring Jennifer Hudson, Respect. House of Gucci from Ridley Scott starring Lady Gaga and Adam Driver. You think they fell in love? <laughs> I recently re-watched um, uh, Lady Gaga and uh, Bradley Cooper singing Shallow at the Oscars. And, oh man, wet. No, but seriously, they're super horny for each other. And then they, bro- they both broke off their uh, respective uh, relationships after that. Like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> Sounds like it definitely had to happen. Completion of the deal is subject to regulatory approval, which it'll happen. I mean, if Disney and Fox can merge, Fox uh, uh, 20th century can merge, then and AT&T can buy WarnerMedia uh, even during the Trump era when, when even he didn't want it to happen. I mean, nothing matters anymore. It's going to be five different... It's going to be Disney, Apple... uh, uh, Who else? Uh, Disney, Apple, Netflix, Amazon, and probably one other studio that own everything. And everybody's going to be happy about it because Spider-Man gets a touch Wolverine's wiener. (laughs) But this is going to be... I wonder what this does for... I mean, I don't think it'll do anything in the long, in the short or the long run. But I wonder what this does for the streaming library of the James Bond movies. Maybe they, maybe those kid, the kids, this the uh, James Bond's writers, kids, like they own the rights to all of James Bond. Maybe they own the streaming rights as well, obviously. And uh, because, and I say that because Bond, you can stream the first uh, move, the first movies uh, prior to the '90s, I guess on Pluto TV on uh Amazon or uh, to uh, what is it uh, IMDb TV for on Amazon Prime Video. Um yeah. But uh, this this is uh this is this is a pretty good this is a good deal for them uh, again they overpaid. But uh, based on what I've read. But but uh Amazon Studios is in desperate need. Well studios is the thing that that is the production arm but Amazon itself prime video is in need of something that needs that 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 is able to bolster itself in the streaming world cuz right now i don't i don't you know unless you unless you use a fire stick or a fire tv or something that i don't see people exactly running to prime video but hey who knows we'll see we'll see how this goes cuz maybe uh what was it okay. oh god the light just turned out Oh, man. Hey, Google, turn on the desk light. It's all right. We're back. (laughs) I'm keeping it all in, baby. Uh, You know, it wasn't it. It was AT&T that had to break up as singular a couple of years ago and or break up into singular wireless or, you know, get rid of its broadcast arm or its uh, arm to who, who knows. Who cares? What am I talking about? I'm uninterested in what I have to say. But I think at some point they're, they're, everything's gonna have to break up, uh, just like they're breaking, They're trying to break up. Regulars are trying to break up uh, Facebook and Instagram. You know, YouTube had to be broken. Not YouTube. Google had to be broken up, and even it, like into Alphabet. Alphabet, and even still, it's too powerful. Uh, I think Apple's got. I think Apple's got a. But there's Apple's smart the way they're run. They don't look like a monopoly, but they definitely feel like one. And now these deals are making, you know, these smaller, these smaller companies uh, not know where to go. Like Lionsgate. I think Lionsgate's a great company. And, uh, I mean, I think they're all fine, you know, production companies and they put out good and bad movies all the time. But uh, it's Lionsgate, STX, Legendary. I think Legendary might be a WarnerMedia thing. Who knows? I'm not going to care to look it up. All right, let's move on. Speaking of streaming, the ad rates for streaming are all over the place. That's what I wrote in the notes. This comes from a variety written by Brian Steinberg. Advertisers at TV networks go to battle over streaming ad rates. NBC Universal, Warner Media, and the rest <laughs> are seeking a premium from sponsors eager to attach their ads to streaming shows now you'll notice you'll know Peacock uh, Tubi Crackle Pluto TV and Paramount Plus they all have ads everything oh and then HBO Max at some point will have ads uh, in about a month or so and I don't know if they're going to be outside ads but I can only assume so Madison Avenue in Hollywood is squabbling over advertising rates for some of the industry's most interesting new venues. Both sides acknowledge that streaming video is all the rage. That's what Steinberg wrote. And that younger consumers are migrating away from big audience TV in favor of on-demand binge sessions. Ooh, binge, 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 binge. Which streaming video venues like Hulu, oh, and Hulu, Hulu, Tubi, and Pluto. Well, that's where agreement stops. The entertainment industry wants to charge rates that are akin to primetime TV and top sports broadcasts, and the advertisers say the nascent video venues quite simply haven't gotten to that point. So that would require, in order, for, so th- the problem is uh, NBC, Universal, Warner Media. They they all uh, they they see people are flocking away from broadcast from cable. Um, from traditional ways to watch television, and they're going over to streaming. They're going to Netflix and Disney Plus, and they're saying this is the way. And they, the excuse me, the, the video, the viewers and the audience are saying this is the way we want to watch television. So they're trying what the what this these big studios are trying to do. They're just taking how they char- how much they charge for you know uh, a commercial slot on uh, Law and Order. NBC Universal is, and they're going to Peacock and saying, "You got to try. We we're, we're charging you this exact same amount, but they're still not the viewers to support that, because again, it's only it's not not Netflix and Disney Plus. They're not doing ads. It's the it's Hulu uh, Hulu with ads and uh, Tubi and Pluto and Crackle and and every single other. One. I don't know if Crackle's doing it, but Peacock, you know. And those numbers don't exactly translate because people don't watch. You know, some people might hold off on watching Law & Order for three or four weeks. Law & Order SVU, three or four weeks, and then just, you know, have four episodes to watch at once. So just like Nielsen ratings need to change, ad rates also have to change. So at one point, I know, and this might be brought up in Steinberg's piece later, but at one point, at some point, maybe they'll say okay, if we can't charge the same amount for broadcast ad, ads on, uh, on primetime broadcast, then maybe we can put in more ad breaks. We can take, instead of doing uh, a total of five minute ad breaks per half hour, like on Peacock, I don't know why I'm picking on Peacock, but they bragged about this. Uh, if instead of doing five minute, up to five minutes, uh, every 30 minutes or so, then maybe we can do just traditional three minute blocks every seven minutes. I mean, I, I don't see it, it being far off from that anytime any time in the future. So like in a couple of years, I could see that happening. Ren Universal goes, we had a peak. The <laughs> peacock is having a great run and a great lifestyle and blah, blah, blah. Uh, It's time to charge one more dollar and we're going to start running more Ben & Jerry ads. The back and forth over a very new type of media shows just how quickly streaming video is hooking consumers who have a yin for high quality dramas and comedies and the advertisers who need to reach them to keep revenue flowing. There's likely more to come. Fox Corp. in March suggested to investors that over time ad revenue for its 2B streaming outlet could exceed what the company captures for its Fox broadcast network. Walt Disney Company said in March, filling with the uh, oh, excuse me, filing with the US Securities and Exchange Commission that ad sales at Hulu, ABC.com, and other direct to consumer businesses rose 47% to $882 million last quarter. That's almost a billion. Not far away from the $984 million that came to ABC, which notched a gain of 5%. NBC Universal is already acting as if streaming is here for the long haul and has made a point to ask for rates for Peacock that are on par with traditional primetime. That's exactly what I was saying earlier. Before they can plan for the future, however, the TV companies need to contend with the present. At issue in current talks is a measure called a CPM, an expression of the cost of reaching one thousand consumers, that is central to the industry's annual "quote unquote" upfront talks when advertisers and TV networks haggle over consumer commercial prices and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Networks are, easy to re, uh, are eager to replace them with streaming viewership the regular TV numbers with streaming viewership and they're pressing the big for big CPM increases that often surpass those for being asked for traditional TV. I mean, you, if you had the numbers, if, if Peacock, and again, I'm sorry for picking up Peacock, uh, but if Peacock had the number, the same numbers as a Disney plus the same subscriber count, the same uh, type of annual increase, even though there was a, a plateaued uh, earlier, a couple weeks ago, then Disney plus, but then it'd be able to ask for this premium price. So if, if, if it's charging $5 on NBC and USA for at eight o'clock or, you know, $5 on NBC and $4 on USA, and then it's going to Peacock and going, Hey, please give us $5 for this ad spot. But we, how many people are you getting over there on, on Peacock? Oh, we have 11 million subscribers. Okay, are they all watching, you know, Law & Order SVU? No. Well, how do you expect us to pay that much money? The networks won't apologize for seeking rates some might consider aggressive. TV executives believe they are offering a better quality of programming than many of their upstart rivals and think their ability to carve out audience niches around people who might want to see a movie or buy a car is worth a little extra. I will say this. There, there's that dedicated portion, uh, even though uh, the Nielsen ratings for some Netflix shows uh, that they run independently, when because Netflix, Netflix doesn't release numbers, um the numbers you know drop off significantly uh like like a first you know like the first episode of a stranger things season has 20 million viewers and then you know with each subsequent episode it goes from 20 down to let's say 11 or 9 25 or 6 to 4 then <laughs> i i mean then maybe that's just how uh you know maybe they have to be Realistic with these numbers they asked for. With the money they asked for. I didn't want this to go on too long. It's now been 24 minutes. And I have to edit. This last thing. Comes from the Wall Street Journal. Which I am subscribed back to. For the year. From Joe Flint and Suzanne. Veronica. <laughs> oh god. Uh, this thing's not it's not disappearing. okay from FBI to the wonder years TV networks bet on more franchises and reboots and so this is this kind of goes along with uh, the last thing with the ad rates networks are uh th- the pandemic changed a lot of how television is going to work i'm not going to say it, it changed changed it, you know forever but it's going to it definitely changed uh there when the pandemic started Shows that... Pro- and I mentioned this in this week's News Time, which uh, this is partly about. Um, <clears throat> which shows that probably weren't going to get another season got another season. Like I... Like the Unicorn on CBS. I, that probably would have been canceled in the first season. Um uh But... Sh- and it got canceled this season. But shows that... Shows that shouldn't have survived survived because... We didn't know when we're gonna go back and be able to make T V shows and movies. So why not just and you and if you cancel if you cancel a bunch of shows, uh, and nobody can pitch you a show because you know, obviously you didn't know Zoom was a thing yet, or, or video chatting was a thing yet, then or if that or if you don't wanna dump money into a, into a, a project that you don't know if it's gonna do well because of the pandemic, then just stick with what you know and they did and and now that we're coming out of the pandemic you know those shows either performed well enough to stay or they got kicked the curb like the unicorn they were kicked the curb not they didn't they didn't get got kicked the curb maybe I'll be a teacher (laughs) I'll just give up my dreams and be a teacher yeah it's not giving up your dreams it's doing something that So now, if you notice, Dick Wolf has six different, six, nine different shows across two different networks, and they're all in the same universe. He has three Law & Order shows, one of which started this past television season, and then another one is coming next season. Three very, you know, well-performing Chicago shows, PD, Fire, and Med. You can't find Chicago Justice anywhere. Put it on Peacock. I want to see it. And I've never seen Chicago, so... (laughs) Put it on Peacock. I'll watch. I'll watch all four. And then you got the FBI shows. Two... International. FBI. And... uh, FFBBII. (laughs) That's not a real show. Boy, oh boy. This camera looks amazing. The big four U.S. broadcasting networks are rehashing existing material... Oh no, the camera just shut off. Ugh. Okay, <laughs> look, we we're just gonna have to deal with this. Okay, give me, uh, give me one second. All right, what you just heard was uh, the camera shutting off and me getting up and having to change the battery. Let's finish out this episode. <laughs> So reboots are quote a safer bet but on the negative side it shows the networks aren't taking any risks said Garth T. Deje, executive vice president of video investment for Horizon Media. While the trend hasn't dazzled Madison Avenue, which will decide in weeks How much to gamble on the next wave of predictable programming. Broadcast networks are expected to benefit from the uptick in ad spending. So the upfronts were, the summer upfronts were a couple of weeks ago. uh, And this is what they talked about. This is the ad stuff they were talking about. Buying ads. uh, Buying ad time. After the company I worked for, the last company I worked for, uh, participated in upfronts. And we had to watch. I remember this distinctly. We had to watch the first pandemic upfront that the company produced. And it was the the head of the, the guy who created the networks. And uh, he was not good at presenting. <laughs> and, and again, it was a pandemic and it's, and it's the up front. So they, they try to razzle dazzle you. They shot it on a stage somewhere here in Atlanta. Uh, and I don't remember. I don't know. I don't remember where, but it looked, it look, you know, you know, uh, pleasant. And they had special guests, and I remember one of the guests was Halle Berry, I believe. I remember. I think it was Halle Berry. I don't remember this exactly, but I think it was Halle. Yeah, it was Halle Berry because I remember she was sitting in her backyard in <laughs> her sundress, and it was as if she recorded this on her phone, which I'm a thousand, a thousand percent sure that she recorded whatever was asked of her on her phone and she could not have been uh, more bothered anyway i just got an email from my uh my apartment complex that says somebody's been fraudulently acting as georgia power asking for money please disregard these messages or have we not use georgia power at all (laughs) yeah anyway uh i just i remember seeing that up front and we like we had like a company meeting and and we and they they played it over the zoom this is in last may i believe cuz then they also had another up front that we had to watch in the in the winter time uh, right before i was laid off ooh what a good day <laughs> and we had to and we and we watched it and it was 15 minutes and it was all and this is this is a net, this is like a bunch of, I don't want to get too specific. This is a play, this is an area, this is a company that doesn't have a lot of original television shows. Anyway, that's it. I don't want to get too far into, the, into that. I talked to Fula Borg. A trade association representing TV networks alleged that Nielsen undercounted viewership during the pandemic in part because the measurement giant methods, Nielsen's methods for maintaining its household panels was inadequate during the crisis. A measurement watchdog's review found Nielsen undercounted, this is going to be good for the Nielsen episode I planned, TV viewers by as much as 6% in February. The trade group has called for a full audit. This is going to get into the weeds of, uh, of uh, ratings and stuff, but the gist of it is that networks are relying on reboots. They want to charge more for ad rates because they, uh, on streaming, because they they think they can. The numbers aren't there, and yet they're still doing. They're operating as as if it's uh, business as usual when they're only relying on their older shows and the older things that their companies own, like Clarice for uh, Viacom CBS. You know, instead of, it didn't, it wasn't received very well, and I don't think the ratings did very hot, did, uh, were, were good. Uh, but CBS is reluctant to let that go, because A, because they spent so much money on the, the Super Bowl, the Power Bowl. The Super Bowl, uh, talking about it, same thing for Equalizer. I think the ratings were just fine for that. But uh, these things that people know, they're going to come back and they're going to watch them. Because even if the ratings weren't good, then there's they still have, you know, the for CBS, the 8 million people they're going to watch. All right, that's it. We're done. Listen, if you like what you heard here, head to the website, cpluscomedy.com. I just kicked the desk. cpluscomedy.com, where you can see me interview your favorite comedians like Flula Borg, and hopefully, uh, somebody I talked to just a couple of months ago, before Flula, again. But who knows? I'm trying to set that one up for a couple of weeks now. Don't send me the email and then and then not respond. If you want to see a video version of this show? YouTube.com/slash C-plus Comedy. Don't know why you would want to do that. See me do a lot of harsh editing. Mm-hmm. Speaking of youtube.com slash equals comedy, you can see our premiere show, Newstime. Oh, I didn't talk about the new Rugrats. Eh, who cares? <laughs> it's fun. <fine. laughs> a lot of weed jokes, and I ugh, just don't like it. A lot of, a lot of like, getting high jokes, and it just bothers the mess out of me. But it's fine. You can see our premiere show, News Time. Oh, the cat's awake. Premiere show. She's cleaning herself. News time, which is like the daily show, except way less funny. I talk in front of a camera about entertainment business and news stuff, and I try to make it funny sometimes. A lot of information overload. This week's episode was, let me double check what it was about. Because even though I did it like two days ago, I don't know what it was about. It was about bubble shows, shows in the bubble. On the bubble of cancellation, cancellation bubble. So, check it out, definitely. Very fun. Instagram, Twitter, at C Comedy. Me on Instagram and Twitter, at Chat Black White. Like us on Facebook. Rate, review, subscribe to this show, wherever you get your podcast, The Constitutionals. And uh, that's it. We're going to leave. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>